Today's episode of Laced Up a Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Airedale Flying, Fishing, and Hunting. No, this episode isn't a rerun. This is new. Um, yeah, it's just been a while since we talked about our good buddies at Airedale. So, I don't have the ad in front of me, and I haven't done an ad for Airedale in months, so I'm going to try to do this all from memory, and we're hoping for the best here. Apologies to the fine people at Airedale if I mess anything up here, but, uh... Since 1945, Airedale has provided a unique wilderness experience. I did that sentence backwards, and now I'm having trouble with it. Uh, There's 18 remote outpost camps that help keep the lake pristine and the fishing extraordinary. Uh, James, do you, you, not that you had a great handle on it after a year and a half of them being our sponsor, but do you remember any of the fish that were... uh, that are found at Airedale, well, Lake, I, Lake Wawa. I, I I prepped for this actually, so I'm I've sure got a you, list of fish. Sure you did in front of me. These are mm-hmm. real real species, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you can find all of these species at Airedale. The hammerhead um, shark, such as the uh, the lump sucker, the sarcastic fringehead, the red lipped batfish, uh, walleye, of course, <laughs> or or pickerel. Yeah, as it's known to our friends in Canada. Okay. Um, well, I'm not familiar with those fish you mentioned, but the names that I know of fish that they have at uh, Lake Wawa are uh, uh, rainbow trout, um, you know, the speckleback sart. No. Um, uh, yeah, you, I mean, you pretty much nailed it. I got it. <laughs> I win. You pretty much nailed it. Um, Airedale is currently open for the season. Now, obviously, for our American friends, you're screwed. You're not coming over. You you guys are staying on your side of the border. And you know what? Uh, we'd love to have you, but now's not the oh. time. Now's not the time. So, um, for my Canadian friends who might be looking for some sort of a getaway before the snow hits, I know a lot of people had to cancel their summer plans. Uh, maybe nothing interesting going on. Airedale's still open for September for uh, until October. There's plenty of time to get in. Um, visit www.outpostcamps.com for more information or www.airedale.com for more information and begin planning your trip to Airedale today. I think we nailed it. Are the fish wearing masks? Ooh. Hard to catch. Um, I wonder, like, is there, is, is Wawa technically the district of Thunder Bay? I guess so, right? No, I think it ends at Wawa. Like we go right to Wawa. So they're they're their own thing. I think they're in. A they're the district, district of Algonquin of or Wawa? something or Sault Ste. Marie. Of Algonquin, isn't it the Algonquin that that, that, covers that might Marie? be true? Yeah, I I don't know if you know this. Not great knowledge of regions outside of Thunder Bay. All right. Well, I I, I don't I don't think it's district of Thunder Bay. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Hmm. So is there a mandatory indoor mask rule at Airedale? Now, is, if, if you're under the surface of the water, are you inside the lake? I mean, I don't know. I don't know that the MNR is really concerned about that particular issue underneath the water. I feel like they're concerned with other, other things. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember the MNR putting out a mandatory mask rule for swimmers. Wouldn't be good. I don't know if you know how this virus is spread, to be honest with you. Airborne. Hmm. Yeah, not a lot of air underwater. Fly in. Please. And fishing. Please enjoy the show. Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Mamma yeah. mia. Yeah. Mamma mia. 
Ashton's line out against Code Giroux's line with Ashton. Here's Briere. Matt Carl tipped around the Wednesday, August 19th, this is the Laced Up Hockey Podcast, and I am James Cole. I'm Bruce Pataglia from the north side. How is it up north? Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's not, it's not a website about northern Ontario, James. It's about, the, like, the, the north side of, Moving on up. of Toronto. To the north side. Mm-hmm. Um... Nice little Airedale ad there to kick us off. Hey, you know, that's nice. Yeah, whatever. It's nice talking to those guys. We didn't talk to them. Talked oh, about them. I didn't listen to the uh, ad, I guess. No, yet, I, so. yeah. Well, you were heavily featured on it. But, uh, yeah, no, it's nice. I mean, again, like, I know we literally just did an advertisement for them. But if you're looking to plan a trip, fucking, you know. I uh, I know I said, like, two months ago I was planning to get up to Airedale this summer. And then uh, my, my quarantine sort of ended pretty quick because I had to go back to work at one job and then my quarantine ended super quick because I got a full-time job somewhere else and now I don't have any time though this is probably the longest I've sat at my house since the last time we recorded a podcast so I'm busy uh, I was gonna try to fool everybody and tell them that we recorded that a year ago Mm. Um, but we made some COVID references so probably yeah that would be quite the Quite the foreshadowing, wouldn't it be? Yeah, considering we were making fun of this virus Fucking back uh, a couple months ago. Some it's... Nostradamus shit on yeah, that one. No kidding. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is uh. This is laced up. Uh, we're, yeah. we're we're back at it. The playoffs are in full swing. Um. Uh. Have, have you written anything new at uh, Northside? Nah. I know we we talked last week about our our, our sorry sorry Leafs. No, no you know what? Leafs. Like, here's what I'm thinking. Like, I've thought about some stuff I want to write. I really would like to let the fans cool down a little bit more because I have some hard opinions that I feel will not be uh, quite as um, now, are, receptive are right now. Are you suggesting that there are certain corners of Leaf Nation That's that right. aren't level-headed? That's right. Oh. That's right. Yeah, I know I know it's hard to find these, uh, these people that are supposedly uh, wearing the tin hats, but they do exist. Tickle me speechless. Yeah. Um... Some sad, sad news to start us off this week. Mm-hmm. Um, you never like to start on this tone. Um, but um, as we learned today, uh, Winnipeg Jets legend Dale Howardchuk uh, passed away at the age of 57 after a very lengthy battle with uh, stomach cancer. Uh, a battle that uh, just a few months ago uh, was looking pretty optimistic. Some some signs of hope. Um and uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, Dale was unable to uh, to beat this battle, and yeah. um, we we lost him today. Um, I got a guy we've talked about here and there on the podcast. Well, interesting thing with with Dale Howarchuk, and it's not it, this is not a comment on my relationship uh, 
with him as a fan in any way, but I know Dale Howardchuck is someone that you are quite fond of. Not not really. I mean, like I definitely. I mean, there's nothing not to like about the dude. He's just a just a. He was just a super cool guy, mm-hmm. uh, nice guy. Like just the the ultimate. Like uh, when you go to, over to a buddy's house, the dad just being this cool kind of you know like kind of understanding, but still a dad figure. Like that was just kind of like Dale Howardchuck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. this kind of natural born leader, but had had that kind of. Uh, easy going side and everything like that, and um, but yeah, I know I know you were a big fan of his. I was, yeah. I actually had the, the chance to meet him. Um, one you, of our one you did our... you did not take it. I did. Did you? Yeah. I always thought it was the other way around. I thought it was. I always thought you did meet him, but no. But... We we went to that bar in Winnipeg, and and we'd heard like we were we're walking in, and the bouncer says to us like, "You guys here for the autographs or for yeah. the bar?" And we're like, oh, who the fuck could be here doing autographs? We're here for the bar. Like, what yeah. are we talking about? So we get a table. Randy Carlisle uh, signing autographs. Right, it's like, right. oh, well, we'll go to Shannon's. So then I asked our, our server. I said, well, like, just out of curiosity, who's giving autographs? And she said, oh, it's Dale Howardchuck. So I promptly got in line. And, and uh, yeah, he, he signed my program. And I got a photo with him. And um, I won't sit here and say he's a fantastic dude. I didn't really talk to him. Like we just, it was a very, hey, how you doing? Pretty big line. Hello, yeah, no, he's he's a legend in Winnipeg. Like to this day, uh, absolute legend in Winnipeg. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if the guy could go walking down the street and not be recognized. Well, he's the greatest Winnipeg Jet of all time. Definitely. Like yeah. I don't really no. like. It's not like a franchise where it's like, well. Like there, there, I, yeah. there isn't a really a, a runner. Like there's a runner up, I guess. Yeah. Like you could make a lot of arguments there, but it's, it's him. List like, of NHL players that had like over a hundred points in a season. Uh, like he did it six times. Mm-hmm. It, it's like Gretzky, Lemieux, and I think that's it above him for for hundred point seasons. Yeah. Um, well, he had. Uh, I think the I think the the time frame that I saw was from 1981 to 1994, the second most amount of points of anyone in the NHL. Which, like, it's not like Lemieux played that entire time or anything like that, sure. but just the with. With the absolute absurdity that Mario Lemieux scored at the rate that he did, it's just kind of even even with injuries and everything uh, to think it's just sort of crazy to think that there was someone that you know. I think Howard Chuck outscored him by like eighty points, but it's still you know what I mean. Like yeah, it's yeah. still Howard Chuck. Yeah, and you you go down his list of achievements like an absolutely uh, incredible career. Um, rookie of the year in the QJM, uh, QMJHL, Rookie of the Year in the NHL. Uh, he won two Memorial Cups back to back. You know, uh, CHL Player of the Year. Uh, won two Canada Cups. You know, eighty-seven, ninety-one. Most interestingly for me, though, first NHL player in history uh-huh. to play a thousand NHL games before the age of thirty-one. He's the only. He was the first. The first. The first. Which is which is pretty cool. Like like. Going back that to is, that era. That is a weird one. Yeah, yeah, to that era. Like, they didn't play as many games back then, and the guy just always seemed to stay healthy. And Yeah, I mean, you look at his career numbers. Like, he never played less than 75 games in a season until uh, 1994-95. Yeah, which was a lockout-shortened season which, in itself. Yeah. So, um, oh, my God. Like, even his second last year in the league with the Flyers... Yeah. He gets traded to the Flyers and puts up 20 points in 16 games in the dead puck era of mm-hmm. 1996. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. Retired at 33, like, you just, just the mind wonders what could have been if he had a three or four more years under his yeah. belt. And, um, 
yeah, like just never never had the accolades. Uh, you know, four time top five or sorry top ten heart finalist finished fifth in his fucking rookie year, which is kind of insane to think about. Finished second in '85, had 130 points with the Jets that year at 21 years old, and just always had that uh, that guy Wayne ahead of him uh, every year. Um, so, um, a guy that I will I will certainly miss. I know Jets Nation is going to miss him, and uh, uh, sad day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and you know, just to kind of equate it, like for Leaf fans I mean like you know it's it's a little different because it's not like we certainly consider this player to be the best player in the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs or anything like but like Dale Howard Chuck now was sort of to the Jets community what like Wendell Clark kind of is in Toronto like he's he was just always kind of around he was always willing to to get involved in the community like you were saying like willing to go sign autographs and um he was just a really good alumni too which mm-hmm. I think is like something that that definitely gets lost on people when you consider the fact that he actually never played for the franchise that is currently in Winnipeg. Right. Like, it's just, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, he, he's, this allegiance to this city uh, that he always had is, is something that's really cool. And, um, again, like, something you see at, a, like, Wendell Clark in, in Toronto and um, I don't even know who else for other teams. I don't know who other teams. Uh, like a Ryan Smith. Who their guy is. Ryan Smith. Like, I was even going to say, like, like sort of. I mean, obviously he works with the team, but, like, Trevor Linden-esque, too, in Vancouver. Sure. Like, he's always sure. been around. And, um, yeah, it's it's um, uh, an, all, uh, an all-time great and, and greatest player in the history of the franchise. And it's certainly a, a sad day. Was in the midst of coaching the Barry Colts in the OHL when uh, he had to step away because of his cancer diagnosis, mm-hmm. but had spent, uh, you know, nine years there. And uh, another city that just embraced him, and yeah. and by all accounts, like, you don't see many coaches stick around for that long at any level. Mm, no. So, um, no, certainly, uh, it's certainly a big loss for the hockey world, for sure. It is. Um, yeah, tough, tough way to start the episode. Like I said, no one wants to talk about it, but it's, it's stuff that we got to talk about. Um, Dale Howard check, age 57. The NHL playoffs, uh, the real deal, the the real McCoy, the uh, McCoy's a fish, by the way, for those Airedale listeners that are still sticking I, around. I, you just increasingly could be making these fish up. It, yeah. There's really no way to know. Until I'm told I'm wrong, I'm just going to keep going with it. Like, I feel like there's a, not a finite, um, uh, finite number of types of fish. Like, I feel like there's just... There's just... In an infinite amount of like types, you know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Plenty of fish in the sea, as the saying goes. Wow. Am I right? Yeah. Am I right, folks? Well, you're not wrong. Um. So we got a we got a few things to talk about. Obviously, the series are underway. Uh, since the last time we spoke to you, uh, there's been a lot a lot that's happened. So it, it's going to be mm-hmm. catch up time for us. There actually hasn't been that much, and now I'm going to pivot into my new segment in which we actually uh, this just becomes a fishing podcast now. Not down, but no, uh, there are a few. I don't know if there's any physical activity slash sport that I'm less interested in as fishing. Like I'd rather go hunting, and I don't even want to do that really. But that to me is just more strategical than sure. sitting in a boat hoping for the best. Or an ice hut. It's like, well, it rained yesterday. Not too good today for the fish. No. Or is it is it better after rain or, or worse? I don't remember. I don't fish. I don't like it. It's not my cup of tea. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Um, 
We're going to start off, we're going to look at the 1-8 seed in the East. This is a which terrible is, uh, fishing podcast. Which is Flyers versus Canadians. Before we do, mm. speaking of the Canadians, uh, we should mention oh, Claude Julien. The cloud. Uh, removed from the bubble, uh, went to hospital in Toronto after, what was it, Game 2? Following Wait. Game 2? I just, I liked how you did, it sounded like you said went to hospital, and all I could think of was the Jim Gaffigan bit about how British people talk different than Canadians, or than, than North Americans. I don't know. Went to, uh, what, what do they say? It's like, well, I had to go to the hospital, and what do British people say? I went to hospital. It's better when he does it. Probably. <laughs> um, Cla- yeah, Claude Julian taking the hospital fall, I believe game two. Um... It was late Friday evening, mm. early Saturday morning, I want to say. Does that sound right? Uh, is it... Was it game two? It was following game one. Yeah? Well, the series is 3-1 Philadelphia, isn't it? Yeah. And they won the game with Kirk Muller. So, it would have been after oh, game okay. two. Then... Well, yeah. Sorry, after, after game, game one. one. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. That, that checks out. Uh, taken to hospital with chest pains and... Um, Apparently had a stint implanted and was discharged. All, all signs seem to be good, uh, but uh, it seems as though, especially with the Flyers up three to one, uh, that he won't be back. Um, no. He returned home. Um, short of the Canadians making a big run, I, I can't see him returning to the bubble in time to uh, get behind the bench again. And 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 why would he? It just really wouldn't be in his best interest, as far as I can tell. But, I uh, uh, I've never really taken Claude Julian to be an unreasonable man either. I right. feel like he's someone who definitely understands the severity of yeah. what he's dealing with, and I'm sure cares much more about his family than uh, than uh, coaching in this tournament as much as he is dedicated to the Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm. So, uh, more sad news. Like we said, like it's it's never stuff you want to talk about, but no, nope. it, it happened. He's got a uh, wife. He's got a daughter. Like yeah. you know, it's not not good news. Like we said, it, it sounds like he's doing well, so we, we hope that, that that trend continues and that he's able to, to join the Habs again behind the bench uh, whenever next season begins. Uh, but for now, like you mentioned, it's, it's Kirk Muller. That, it's his bench. It's his team. Yeah. And um, uh, that, that particular bench uh, is not scoring in this series. Well, uh, not anymore. Back-to-back shutouts by the Philadelphia Flyers, by Carter Hart, uh, no less. Um, and... You know, aside from a, a game two that was really kind of off the books, like out of character for the Philadelphia Flyers, three really good wins um, by them, uh, two to one in game one, um, and then the shutouts, one nothing and two nothing in games three and four. That that second game, a five nothing win by the Habs. Like, don't get me wrong, like Carey Price is, yeah, having, he's having a hell of a series here. So here's here's what's kind of fascinating about this series is. Sure, Montreal absolutely, you know, mopped the floor with the Flyers in Game 2. All credit to Montreal there. But what's so fascinating about Philadelphia is Philadelphia did something that a lot of teams won't do in the NHL anymore. And it's that they got shit-kicked against Montreal playing their own style in Game 2. And said, you know what, we're going to change the way we play. And the past two games have completely played non-Philadelphia Flyer hockey. And just absolutely played the trap. And basically the biggest middle finger possible to the Montreal Canadiens the last two games. In which the Flyers are beating the Habs at their own game. 
which is not a thing you see in hockey very often anymore. Both teams, both like teams just kind of have identities now and they just play that way and they go down that way. And Elaine Vigneault, call it a good coaching move, call it getting cocky, I don't care what you call it, basically just said, ah, fuck it, we're going to play the trap. We're going to, we're going to out Montreal, uh, Montreal. And they're doing it. And that, that to me is like, that is what's so mind-blowingly scary about the Flyers. It's just the idea that it's like, oh yeah, you know how we like kind of play like this just like rough tumble, uh, kind of balls to the wall sort of brand of hockey? Yeah, uh, our defensemen, they're not pinching on the rush anymore. Uh, our forwards are not taking risks in the neutral zone. No, we're just going to win every game one nothing Because they can. And they and they are, somehow. Yeah. It, that, that to me is just bafflingly cool and, and reinforces my... my uh, love for the Flyers right now. Like, I just, I like this group a lot. I like this team. I'm fucking, I'm really down. This is cool. They look they look good. Like, you touched on how weird it is that the, the Flyers are beating the Habs at their own game. The Habs are outscoring the Flyers in this series. Like, mm-hmm. I go back to it. Like, they're beating them at their own game. Like you said, like, you're, you're 100% right there. But this has been a really tight series. Apart from that, like, you know, you you could you can look here and, and and say that you know Carter Hart, you know the shutouts are nice and everything like that, but the Habs are coming close. It's not like these are complete, no, you know, absolute domination where the Flyers are like you know what limiting them to fifteen shots in the game or anything like that. Like Habs are getting their chances. Uh, it's just not really going their way. I mean, and... you like you could. I I don't know that I am, but there definitely is an argument to be made that. Kirk Muller is getting quite out coached here too. Well, just in some yeah. of the, you know what I mean, like, and sure. I mean, no disrespect to Kirk Muller because he's a, I don't know if he's an NHL legend, but he's a, you know, he definitely had a really good playing career. He's been coaching at some capacity in the league for I, I'm, I think probably like 15 years now. Coached Montreal at one point, and now is back there, and um, it's just it's interesting to see. Just the fact that, you know, I, I kind of wonder if this series isn't the other way right now with Claude Julien back mm. there. Because Montreal's greatest strength, I mean, we can sit here and talk about Carey Price all we want. But to me, the biggest strength for the Montreal Canadiens actually is Claude Julien. It's like 1A, 1B. Pick which, if you want to put Julien or Price ahead of each other. But, like, they sort of go hand in hand at this stage of each other's career. Right. So... Yeah, Carter Hart looking real solid, a 9.58 through uh, his really six good. games this playoffs. He's really good. Um, but is that is that a, a factor of him, or is that a factor of the Montreal Canadiens? Like, you know what I mean? Like, if if the Flyers don't get first seed in the East after that play in round, maybe they're you know maybe they're not shutting out the Blue Jackets. Maybe they're not shutting out the New York Islanders. Uh, so um, it's it's good to watch. I like him. He's he's he seems like right now the type of goalie that. You know, like maybe we're looking at the next Cam Ward type of situation here, or Matt Murray, where he's just gonna maybe have himself a fucking year. This is this is gonna be fucking Carter Hart's August. Uh, oh, Turner like Burger a good and, playoff. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant that he, this is he's just gonna be one and done, and he's not gonna be very good after this year. Oh, buddy, come on now. Cam Ward. <laughs> That's what I thought you meant. <laughs> Cam, Cam Ward, a, a sneaky un, undervalued goalie. For he most he of was his definitely career. in the top thirty goalies for about five years there. Well. I'll let you do the. He was no, he was good, yeah. but like you know what I mean, though, right? Sure. Like where it was just an odd thing to hear out of the out of the corner of my ear. 
Okay, that's fair. Um, so yeah, the game game five goes tonight, uh, eight o'clock. We'll see uh, if the Flyers, uh, who have home ice, and and obviously uh, uh, with Kirk Muller maybe being out coached, this this could be the end of it for the Habs. You know what's something I never realized about Cam Ward? He only ever played in the postseason twice. Yeah, because he was on the Hurricanes yeah. every year, and they fucking never made the playoffs, and like, except for when they went to the finals, basically every year. Right? Yeah, that's crazy. They're good for one. So, so he has forty-one career playoff games, but they came in two years. Yeah, that's funny. That's a weird one. Yeah, gotta yeah. be. He's got to be up there in average games per playoff played. If that were a stat, I would have to imagine he's probably near the top. Yeah, for for goalies, he's got to be like pretty much at the top. You'd have to yeah. think. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, that is wild. Anyway. Uh, Cam Ward, NHL record holder, possibly. The number two seed Lightning versus the number seven seed Blue Ooh. Jackets. Yeah. Uh, what started out as a pretty tight series uh, slowly got away from the Columbus Blue Jackets as they trail 3-1 to one, uh, heading into Game 5, uh, which by the time you listen to this may... You know, in, by all accounts is probably already underway, if not over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this could be yesterday's news. Uh, the obviously the the five overtime game. I think we were talking about that last week. Yeah, we talked when about we it. when we started uh, the podcast. Then um, it would be another four days before that game ended. So we're we're pretty close. We almost we almost missed it, but we, we got <laughs> it got it in last week. Um, uh, th- that was followed by a three to one Columbus victory. A, a really nice game by the Blue Jackets. I thought they looked really strong in that game. Yeah, they did. Um, Came out really held the the lightning to at at bay and and Corpusalo once again uh, looked absolutely phenomenal in that game and um, after that games three and four just two really tight checking one goal games and you know credit to the lightning they they came out on top of both of them and I mean Tam- what Tampa's showing in this series is is just quite simply that they are so. They're just so good, like like well, yeah. like Tampa's just so good because like they're they're okay. So I made the point about Philadelphia, how Philadelphia is changing the way they play. But Tampa's like a rare team in the league. Tampa can play any fucking game they want all the time and still probably be the better team. Sure, and they are just like by their standards not playing that well, but they're just so much better than Columbus that they're just finding a way to do it. Like, if they're not going to get that run-and-gun game uh, like we kind of had in Game 1 there for a little bit, like, that's the series is now kind of shut down and is more of a defensive sort of gritty battle. You know, they can they can play physical hockey. Uh, they can tip the pucks in on point shots and stuff like that. Like, that's how they're getting a lot of their goals right now. Um, you know, and, 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 I, and I'm going to say this too. Like, I, I just... I just think that there is something to be said for Tampa Bay not having Stamkos and still kind of just finding a way to do it. Because as deep and as good as their team is, like they are still missing a, an incredible goal scorer out of their lineup. A player that I still at this stage, and I know a lot of people won't agree with me, I still think is the best player on that team. And uh, they're finding a way to do it without him. And really cool, shows, shows like how good their depth is. But um, it's just they're just so damn good, man. Like it's 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 really cool to watch. I'm not for or against Tampa, really. 
I don't have much an opinion of an opinion on them. I'm fine if they win. There's actually I like most of the guys on their team. Um, I think I like everyone on their team actually. Nice. I, don't, I don't really like Zach Bogosian that much, but that's fine. Yeah, but yeah, yeah well, for sure. Know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I was kind of torn a little bit because you know, as my team lost to the Blue Jackets, so part of me is like, ah, you know, fuck those guys. But on the other hand, it's you can't you want to lose to a team that's going to go deep in some in some respects and. Um, I don't really think I was cheering for either of these teams from the get-go. I, you know, it was kind of a series I was, by all accounts, just going to kind of put in the back of my mind and you know talk about it when I have to. And yeah, I didn't think I was going to watch yeah, as much. Exactly. You know, it's been interesting to see too. Just series that I've watched because they're convenient for my schedule during these playoffs. Like I, I, I haven't watched more than ten minutes of Vancouver St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Because it's either on too late for me or I'm out at that point of the night. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like, I just I just haven't been sitting at home at 11 o'clock at any point of this round and been like, I want to watch, watch hockey right now. Because I watched it all day. I'm good, you know? It's on at work where I work all the time. Like, you know, I'm good. Makes sense. Um, the number three capitals avoid the sweep with a 3-2 victory tonight. Or last night, I should say, mm. uh, against the sixth-seeded Islanders, who uh, took the first three games in pretty convincing fashion. Game three went to overtime. Uh, it was a low-scoring affair that the Islanders won. Uh, but aside from that, they've looked now, pretty dominant. Before we get into this discussion, because I feel like we should be mentioning this as we're going along. So I took Flyers in four, I believe. The Flyers are up 3-1. Do you remember who, what you took there? You took Flyers, but I don't remember how many games. I you might have it, said 4-2. I didn't write it down. No? I don't think... I didn't... You I didn't just take, took the one You only sweep, took one I sweep. Think. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I think I said Flyers in 5. I think I took the Lightning over the Blue Jackets, I would imagine. I took Lightning in 6. I think that sounds about right for me. I don't, I don't remember taking the Blue Jackets. I took the Islanders in 6. In this series, wow. is what what thought me what, what reminded me. Of I, I think I took Caps in six or seven. You took but... Caps in, I believe, six. Yeah, because I do remember. I, this has just been the one series where it's like every time the Islanders win, it's the first time ever where I'm like, "Fuck yeah, let's go!" Just because I want to be right, you know. Mm-hmm, okay, you know, Nothing it's wrong with that. um, I don't, I don't really know. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and say like I fucking prophesized this either. But like, I just, I don't really know what it is with Washington, but I, I can't tell if it's just like. I mean, I don't want to be over dramatic here either. Like, I can't tell if they're like if they're done, or if they're just kind of having trouble getting going out of the gate. But every time I've watched them, they just don't have that killer instinct that they had the last few years. You know, it just it just looks like they're almost I don't know. I mean, their comeback was was big today, right? Like they went down yeah. two nothing early and and they looked good, but it was one of those things. Like I'm watching it and it was just like. They still weren't, like, really, like, dominating, dominating. And I was just kind of watching it thinking, like, no matter what happens, like, I just find it impossible that they'll be able to win four games straight against the Islanders right now. I just don't see it. I think the Islanders, I mean, I'm not going to say, like, this is the only way I can think to word it. It just looks like the Islanders want it more. I know they don't, but that's just how it looks on the ice. Like, you know, I I don't really know what to make of this. This is... This is a weird one, and I don't know. It just doesn't really look like it's the Capitals' year at this point. 
And you know what? It never really did. Like, you watch, go back to that playing round, and I know there was a lot of discussion about, you know, these teams that uh, are older, they're not really going to come out firing, and it might take them a little bit to get the legs going, and, and that's the whole reason that they had those games. But even in those games, like, 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 don't get me wrong, like, Philly looked unbelievable in that round robin and by all by all accounts there's just no keeping up with them but the capitals just never really seemed to have anything going for them they lost to the lightning they had a pretty unconvincing victory over the bruins uh which kept them out of the four seed which looking back on it uh, maybe hurt them more than it helped them the way the islanders are playing but um yeah this isn't a team that's like coming yeah. out and and showing any degree of of a championship roster that we saw a couple of years ago from them and and you know it's, it's hard to say like like part of that definitely and i'm not going to sit here and make excuses for them because they they lost the first two games with this guy but they haven't had nick backs from the last two games he's a whole like as, as much as yeah. you know most people are going to sit there and say that he's he's not the number one center anymore um he's a veteran guy like he's been around this team for a long no, long but... time they count on him he's a leader and uh, yeah. they're missing him. He's out with a concussion. Um, I think he suffered it in game two, and um, that's that's a that's a vacancy there. But like I said, like you go back to those first two games, he clearly wasn't the guy making making a difference for them. Um, and uh, it was it was nice to see them win tonight. Um, they're a team that like they're. You know the Habs, the Blackhawks, like those types of teams. If they get swept, it's like okay, that's that's fine. They didn't really belong here in the first place. I didn't want to see the Capitals get swept. Like, no. if they're gonna lose, that's fine. But, but like, they're but they're a weird one. Like it's just like 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 I was like you were kind of saying like I was saying like it just never really felt like it just never really felt like they were there. Yeah, this year though, like they were never really a part of that cup conversation and. And for whatever reason that is, but it's just like it's all year. Like, uh, like they could have been one of those teams that we were sleeping on, but it doesn't look like they are. No, like, like they're making the Islanders look like they're the team that we were sleeping on. And were we really sleeping on the Islanders? Are they really gonna fucking be able to beat all these other teams? Like, I don't know. It's gonna be tough. So, yeah, they look great though. I will say this: like, it's just like, it's just like their brand of hockey is so, like, like opposite. Of what we look at now as as the way to play hockey, like they play hockey like it's fucking two thousand and three. All they do is just run and gun in the corners. They throw the puck on net. They they do not rely on one shot scoring. Like they're fully planning on that scramble in front of the net and all that shit. And like even the guys they do have that play puck possession hockey, like Matthew Barzell plays puck possession speed hockey. That guy gives away the puck more than anyone in the fucking league, and it's not even close. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, like, it's so weird to think about that. It's just, like, they are in so many ways backwards of what we look at as a, as a good hockey team nowadays. And they're getting it done. And it's also kind of like, I don't know who's going to beat them. Like, they just, they just, they're rolling right now. Well, you know, it's funny, too, because I had this conversation with a friend tonight. And um, right when they uh, were up, when they were up to nothing and it kind of looked bad for the Capitals at, at first there, uh, a buddy of mine said to me, like, do you think... A lot of this is Barry Trotz knowing the Washington Capitals. You can't take away that that series win against Florida. That was well earned. And I'm not sitting here trying to take anything away from the New York Islanders. I think they're a pretty good hockey team. They're exceeding expectations as far as I'm concerned. But is the majority of their success 
possibly what Barry Trotz knows about this team. He was there when they won a championship. Then he goes to Long Island. I mean, maybe. Like I like I don't know. It's just like He's one a of good those coach. I, I, yeah, but it's just like the Islanders aren't really playing much different than they do normally. It's just like the Capitals just look dead. And I don't know if maybe it's just, like, maybe it is just a poor matchup for the Capitals or something like that. I don't know. Like, the Capitals have really never been one of those teams to play, like, super energetic hockey. Like, I will say that. Sure. Um, at least not. That's not much going to turn 23. Not the version of the Capitals we know right now. Like, yeah. Barry Trotz sort of broke their fucking spirit while it was there, while he was there, kind of, and they've just always, like, played this responsible brand of hockey and kind of, like, opposite of the Islanders. Yeah. Watching him tonight, though, I will say uh, Alex Ovechkin, he's going to be a tough out. Uh, yeah. Him, oh, him alone, so. He's really good. Yeah. Uh, game uh, five for that series goes Thursday night. Uh, time to be determined because the NHL does not know how to make a schedule. Barry, the schedule maker, uh, did not come back after oh, COVID. Rick, the schedule maker, Rick. sorry. Um, oh, Rick's going through a divorce right now. Well, he's going through that. He's got some health issues. He didn't want to come back. They, they Jesus, understand. He didn't have to give him health issues. <laughs> divorce Any, is one thing. Anybody but... anybody named Rick probably has health issues. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. Related to one. A lot of health issues. I got it. I got it. I know a lot of Ricks. I don't... I don't... I don't think there's a lot of health issues mm. going on. but uh, The 4-5 series. Um, okay. The Boston Bruins against the Carolina Hurricanes... Uh, this is one where the Bruins are up three to one. Mm. I, uh, I I cannot get this one right because I took the Hurricanes in five, so that is okay. that is that is shot. I can't remember what I took. Honestly. That is shot. You, I believe, took the Bruins in six. <sighs> I took the Bruins. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah, because it was one of those things. Like I said to you, uh, that I was betting that the Hurricanes style. And the Bruins wouldn't wake up, and you were betting that the Bruins' style, or they would wake up, would still be enough to beat the Hurricanes. Like you just, and you you weren't having the goaltending either. Hmm. And um, in your defense, the Hurricanes have not gotten the goaltending. Uh, but also against me, uh, the Hurricanes also haven't played any fucking good at all. So like they're just getting steamrolled in this series, and it's getting worse as it's going on. Like, game one, they were maybe the better team. It was pretty close. And it's just getting worse as the games go on. Like, they they are just... They're just uh, yeah. outmatched. I don't... I don't... I mean, no Svechnikov. Which is, like, again, he's your best forward. So, like, that doesn't help. But, you know. Game game three, they they looked bad. Um, I didn't get to watch much of game four. I thought Carolina was the better team in the first two games. Like you know, they won game two. They they keep made it close in game one, double overtime. Um, and by all accounts, like the way the the, the box score reads, uh, we're the better team for most of game four, and just kind of had the epic collapse. Uh, James Reimer and Net giving up uh, four goals in the third period to the Bruins. I mean, when have we ever seen that before? Uh, you know, take place. So, um, but you're right. Like Svechnikov's gone. Funny you mentioned the goaltending. We didn't talk about it off the hop. Tuka Rask leaves the bubble. Oh, um, yeah, I knew there was, like, one really big thing that I actually wanted to talk about at yeah. length. <laughs> yeah. Hur- Hurricanes goaltending not getting it done, but at least the, both their goalies have remained with the club. Yeah, I mean, like, I would rather have Yaroslav Halak than any goalie that's played for the Hurricanes for, like, uh, like ten years, probably. Sure. So, like, um... Yeah, I mean, like a lot of a lot of uh, 
pushback on social media about Tuka Rask leaving, uh, to which I think is just a fucking batshit insane sort of opinion to have, and um, I just don't get how I don't get how people are so reliant on sports to be their like savior from their fucking mundane lives that they can actually get mad at a professional athlete about wanting to look out for his family rather than play for a team that by all accounts is probably just fine without him. Mm. Like that is just insane to me. I, I, I just think, I just think that is uh, such a narrow minded way to look at things. And I understand that, you know, 14 year old kids or even younger are going to look at things a little bit differently, right? Like that's just, you know, you just don't really understand, um, when you're young, but the issue is that we're talking about like grown ass adults and fucking Mike Milbury who gets played paid by uh, supposedly the number one network in North America to fucking work hockey games to sit here and say that he thinks it's stupid and selfish and that he wouldn't have done it because he's such a fucking saint too. So um, I don't know. It's just the all the whole pushback to me is just um, I'm I'm I, I think as I've aged over time, I'm much more willing to hear other people's opinions on things and and respect that. Uh, I, if you if you don't, I, I think you're a fucking idiot. To be quite honest with you, if you uh, are not going to just let let the guy do what he wants in this scenario. So here's here's my thing. Um, because I'm right there with you for most of that. I don't get why people are upset that he's leaving the bubble. He's clearly focused on his family. He's got his mind somewhere else. He wants to be with them. He doesn't want to be in the bubble. Um, it's a long time to spend away from your family, especially one that's, you know, just welcomed a new a new baby uh, into it. Um, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and blame Tuka Rask. If he wants to go be with his family, do your thing, man. Go, go, well, yeah, go tried, do what you got to do. tried to have a baby during the summer like a responsible hockey player, man. Right. What pisses me off is the notion that Tuka Rask might come back in the conference finals or the Stanley Cup finals if he so deems necessary. If Tuka Rask decides, you know what, hey, uh, you know, I've been with my family now for a couple weeks, so I think I'll go back with the boys and get back in the bubble. The NHL came out and made a hard line in the sand for all these guys that wanted to opt out before the playoffs started. None of those guys are allowed back in. That was your deal. You, you're either in or you're out. Now guys are... Well, I shouldn't say guys. Tuka Rask might be the first of guys to leave the bubble while their team is still playing. But don't come back. Stay at home. You've, you've made your decision. That's fine. No, I, I don't think anyone should judge you for wanting to do uh, what you deem necessary for your family and follow your heart and, and you know you make, make your decision and all this. We don't know what life in the bubble is going to be like. So you want to come in, you want to try things out. Hey, you know what? This is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I, I got to go. Sure. But I, I don't see how... The NHL can tell Travis Hamannick, you can't join the Flames if they get to the Seneca Finals. But Tuka Rask can because he spent his, his couple weeks inside the bubble with the Boston Bruins. That's the only thing that bothers me. 
I, I think that is it's pretty ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. I, I think you're either in or you're out, and once you leave, don't come back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean it. That I mean, not that I'm disagreeing with the spirit of what you're saying, but it's actually quite simple. Why that he can do that and the other guys can't is because um, the Flames could have put Travis Hamonic on their roster. They chose not to. Because they had a conversation with him, and he said, "There's no way I'm coming," and they didn't put him on their playoff. Ro- it's just, sure. it's like MLB, right? Like, sure. it's you get your playoff roster. At a certain point, you're not eligible, and if you want a guy to be able to come back from an injury, you have to put them on a certain way. And none of these teams did that with any of these players, and these guys can't come back. There was, I don't think there was ever a concrete ruling that they couldn't come in if, like, they could have just again, like all these other, like Stamkos, I guess, in a way. It, he's on the roster, but he wasn't in the bubble initially. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know if he actually is there right now. I've seen no I, I don't know. evidence that he's even there. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm not really saying that that was the right way. I mean, actually, I do think that is the right way to have done it. Um. These teams could have put these guys on these rosters. It's just like my assumption is with Carl Alsner, with Mike Green, with Hamannick, they had, the, I'm assuming, had the conversation with their general manager where they said... Is there a circumstance where you come back and maybe we put you on the roster instead of fucking Derek Forbert or whoever? And mm-hmm. and they and I'm assuming Hamannick just flat out said no, and all these other guys said no. Um, Tuukka Rask not the first player to leave the bubble and to re-enter. Ivan Barbashev did it because he had a new uh, newborn kid too. Mm-hmm. So um, and he had to go through quarantine quarantine like normal. Like he's just right. back in skating now. So uh, definitely, I definitely agree with you though I do kind of think that once they leave they should be gone but especially with that like, would just be a hard thing to enforce because you'd run into different situations and it would be hard to say whose situation is more valid than others in a way um, I mean for what it's worth like we're having this conversation and I, this is where you can fill me in I have seen no reports that Tuka Rask might come back and if there have been reports, that's one thing. I don't fucking see him coming back. Like oh, he just seemed and, and he seemed I. checked out for sure. No, nor do I. It was uh, Bruce Casty that made the comments about you know if okay. Tuca changes his mind and wants to come back, we'll we'll look at that as an option mm-hmm. down the road. Fair enough. Um, you spoke about Barbashev. I agree with you there. Butch, like, my there God. It's it's a that's that's a situation that's unique as well. I'm, I'm thinking big picture. Tuca Rask is probably the wrong guy to, to pin this on, but like if I'm a seventh defenseman. And, you know, coach says to me, yeah, you know, you're, you're just not going to get any games. Yeah. Well, I'll go home for a week. Yeah. And I'll come back. And then a couple guys get hurt and you fucking re-enter the bubble. And, sure. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, if, if it's game games, game four and we're about to sweep them and, you know, you got a while to wait for the next series, I'll go home. I'll, I'll go home, spend some time with my family. Then I'll come back to the bubble because I'm not going to get any playing time anyway. You know what I mean? Like, this just wishy-washy, in-and-out, like, back-and-forth kind of thing. Is, yeah, is kind of... It, it definitely opens up a slippery slope, yeah. at which point you would hope the NHL would step in and and discipline like, guys, but I don't know how sure. you'd do that the, the, this, either. This, like, this whole thing is about controlling messy. the virus, right? Yeah. I, I can give a shit about the Bruins yeah, so you're and, right. and their goal. That's another thing we, we forget so. about, right, is, like, there's a reason why this yeah. is all happening. This it's, isn't just because we, like, pandemic. wanted to make things more interesting, yeah. like... If we wanted to make things more interesting, uh, fans help. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I agree the that there's place? no, they're well, yeah, I mean, it's by all accounts going quite well. I, um, 
Yeah, I just... That was the thing that bothered me, though. Like, going back to my initial point was just the idea that... Um, like, he shouldn't have gone in the first place is the stupidest fucking argument I've ever heard. Like, that, that is just... So, the same people would have been mad at him for not going. And those are the same people that think Tuka Rask doesn't care to begin with. Like, everyone who's arguing that are the same fucking chuds that are trying to chase Tuka Rask out of Boston anyway. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, the guy can't win. Are Flames fans upset with Hamannick? No, because because Flames fans didn't hate Hamannick coming into this. There's a large portion of Bruins fans that think Tuka Rask is terrible, which is like... It just shows you how difficult it is to plead. Like it, 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 being a goaltender for the Boston Bruins is like being an offensive defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You, you, they're gonna hate you. It, yeah. it just to what degree are they gonna hate you? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, like you cannot fucking win. Tuka Rask has been arguably the best goaltender of his generation, and they think that he's the reason they lose in the playoffs every year. It's like, well, no, it's actually because your team was really average after you won the cup. For about seven years there, and now you're really good again. And guess who's still good? Tuka fucking Rask, and he was good the whole time too. Like it's just, he just can't win, man. Like it's just crazy. Yeah, goes back to that uh, uh, cup loss in 2013, I think. Um, well, and and the funny thing is, it's like I didn't really see anyone outside of the Bruins fan base or like people who comment on the Bruins routinely saying anything about this negatively about Tuka Rask. It, like, pretty much every other fan base is just like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, like, whatever. It because, probably looks worse if they don't have your Halak, though, right? Well, but here's, and that was my point, too, is I just, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't do the same thing without Tuka, without Yaroslav Halak, but I think Yaroslav Halak makes Tuka Rask's decision a lot easier. Because, like, of course he's the better goaltender, like, there's no doubt about that, but... Like, they can still conceivably win the Stanley Cup with Yaroslav Halak. Like, oh, Yaroslav yeah. Halak, if you take a look even at Stanley Cup champions of years past, like, he he would be one of the better goaltenders to be a starter in the last 10 years Definitely. of winning a cup. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Other than, like, Quick and Bennington was on a run. But it's like, a lot of these teams have had bad fucking goalies. Like, Antti Niemi has two cup rings, you know? Right. Like, like eh, shut up if you fucking say like, Niemi was really good. Like, if you're one of those people, fuck off. But... You know what I mean? Like, they can win with Yaroslav Halak. And I think that just sort of put Tuka Rask's mind at ease, where he could kind of go and even, like, talk to Yaro and be like, hey, like, I think I'm going to leave. And Yaroslav Halak, like, we all know him as a person, too, would be like, yeah, fucking leave. Like, I don't even know why I'm here. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't give a fuck either. So it's like, you know what I mean? If he wants to go, I think it helps that they have Halak. Now, if Halak gets hurt, I have no idea who their backup is currently. I don't know who their third string goalie is. Yeah, I have no we'll idea. we're hearing a lot more from Bruce Cassidy about Tuka Rask's return, I'm, I, I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, like, all health and happiness to mm. Yaroslav Halak for now. But um, I, I hear your point for sure. It, it probably looks worse. But I do think some of this decision had to do with the fact that Yaro's there in the sure. first place. Which is fine. Uh, now, this, this one, Game 5, goes tonight or this afternoon, I should say, 4 o'clock. Uh, is this over? Is, is this one... Does I it... mean, I'm I'm never going to count the Hurricanes out completely because they they are, I think... I'm not going to say they're the better team, but they're, they're really good. And um, I wouldn't feel comfortable counting them out, 
but they have given me no reason to believe since like midway through game one, uh, other than Dougie Hamilton, that they're going to win this series. So, okay, well we will wait and see. Uh, that is the Eastern Conference. The Western Conference. Uh, we shift our focus to a, a series uh, with a game going on right now. Uh, one um, uh, as as we record. Uh, this one could be over by the time you hear it. The number one Golden Knights going up against the number eight Blackhawks in a series that I think uh, very few of us thought would uh, still be worth talking about at this point. Uh, but the Blackhawks hold on in game four uh, to the tune of a 48 save performance by Corey Crawford. Mm-hmm. Um, that might That might be the game of the playoffs for a goalie. I don't know if we're going to see better. Well, I would say the five overtime Jonas Corposalo, thirty hundred saves. It was good. <laughs> Corposalo wasn't facing elimination though. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't playing no. the Golden Knights. Uh, and, and, and he, no, but he might have been playing the better team. And like he wasn't uh, playing behind the Blackhawks. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I would I would go um, multiple Jonas Corposalos, but I mean, like, yeah, like Crawford. Crawford played well. The funny thing is just like, um, for me, like it's always hard for me to comment on Corey Crawford because I don't think he was ever good to begin with, but, um, he certainly isn't what he used to be. And, uh, yeah, it's just Corey, Corey Crawford is going to go down as a goalie that I just will never understand in the history of hockey. Like, I just don't get it. Um, but like, I'm obviously I'm cheering for the Vegas Golden Knights. I took the Vegas Golden Knights to sweep the series I literally bet money that they were going to come back and score the other night and win the game, and they didn't do that. But I'm not anti-Blackhawks here either. Like, I, I think this is a really cool... I'm, I'm almost... I've almost overcorrected from, like, everyone being so sick of the Blackhawks to now everyone still being so sick of them, and I'm kind of like, yeah, no, fuck it. It'd be cool if they just, like, went on a run again. Fuck it. Who cares with Brent Seabrook at home? Get, uh, get Johnny Taves' his fourth cup to cement that that spot in the top 100 greatest players of all time. For sure. Yeah, I'm more of a Patrick Kane guy, but I'm down. That he earned. Yeah. Um, yeah, Crawford having a good season. This is technically on paper. It's his best playoff since the, they won the Cup in 2015. So, you know, you have yourself yeah. a year. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I know you don't think the guy's a great goalie, but I can't help but just get excited watching him, like, do well after what he went through, like, last year. And, oh, he's and, a good guy, no, I think. Right. I yeah. think. I'm, I don't I'm, know I'm more what. cheering for him than I am the Blackhawks. But the more sure. Corey Crawford has has himself a playoff, like, yeah. cool, man. That's great for Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, I should clarify, like, I'm not cheering against Corey Crawford. I'm cheering against the narrative of, <laughs> oh, it's great. Corey Crawford's throwing it back. It's like, well, you know, 48 saves, that's fucking best playoff performance he's ever had, actually. But, yeah. um, you know, like, yeah, just because I'm cheering against the narrative doesn't mean I don't like the guy. The guy's right. cool. As as we record, uh, the Blackhawks up 2-1 to one at the end of the first period against Vegas. Uh Making it tough for the uh, uh, you know newest uh, team in the NHL. Um, Cracking. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to play crystal ball here because we ah uh, crystal ball hue might might eat yeah. our own words. Yeah. This uh, is our new segment, crystal ball hue, uh, which we talk about uh, Chicago Blackhawks goaltenders. <laughs> this week, Jocelyn Tebow. Uh, John, you guys remember that? Jocelyn fucking Tebow? Uh, ironically, a, a Chicago Blackhawk goaltender might come up uh, in, in the remainder of the episode. We'll have to Ooh, wait and Jocelyn see. fucking Tebow, yeah. Um, cool. Vegas come back in this game, are they going to win it? 
We'll find out in yeah. the next 90 minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, here's the thing, I think too. you said that last game, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I... Vegas is one team that I will rarely, rarely bet against at this stage. And I certainly will not bet against them against the Chicago Blackhawks. Like, they're just, they're just too fucking good. Um, I took this series to be a sweep, and it obviously is not. Um, but I, I, yeah, you know? Yeah. Guess we'll see. Yeah, whatever. Let's go Vegas. Uh, the number two Avalanche taking on the number seven Coyotes. The Avalanche up three to one in this one. Um, I said number seven Coyotes. Wow. I meant to say number seven Darcy Kemper. Wow. Um, because he wow. is the only Coyote that seems to have showed up for this series. Game four, an absolute throttling yeah. to the tune of a 7-1 Avs victory. Uh, they won the first two games. The uh, Coyotes, you know, they had a little bit of pushback in game three there. Um, maybe the result of the Avs playing on a back-to-back. We don't know. I mean, so were the Coyotes for, for argument's sake. But this one has never really looked like much of a matchup uh, outside of that Game 3 uh, uh, performance. Um, I, I think this is over. I, th- I think this one ended <laughs> a- a- after after goal number three, oh, I'll say. On you Monday. don't say. Well, now hang on. For, for every time that we think it's over... How many times have we seen a team oh get throttled on the ice and, oh you know, hey, just oh my God. this 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 ties into something that we were going to talk about tonight. This might be a good time to bring it up. Oh, my God. 7-1 Avalanche. Is this on the same type of level as the top unit power play oh God, of no. the Habs throwing it out there? God, no. Or Titus on the Padres hitting the uh, Grand Slam for the Padres? No. No? I mean... Uh, like if you're if you're mad about it, uh, it's it's similar level of stupidity as being mad about the about the Tatis Padres thing. Um, what did I say, Titus? You said Titus. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I I I do think that at this stage, that okay. So 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 let's let's organize this argument here. First off, I want to comment on. The the number one power play unit thing in game two for Montreal against Philadelphia, okay? Sure. I don't think what Montreal did is wrong. If they want to play their top power play unit, they can do that. However, I also don't think that Philadelphia being angry about it is wrong either. If they want to be fucking mad about that, they, they have every right to be mad about it. It doesn't mean that they're right. Anything that they can take... To try to get their team going, they should. And any narrative that they need to believe, anything that's going to get that room turned around, then then believe it. That doesn't mean that we all have to sit here as hockey fans, though, and be like, yeah, you shouldn't fucking play your power play. Like, if, if Kirk Muller wants to do that, go right ahead. The whole point of the argument, though, is just like, that gives the Flyers a little bit of fuel to be like, they're trying to embarrass us. You know, fuck that. Let's, let's embarrass them next game, right? So, Montreal could do whatever the hell they want. They just need to understand that that's kind of poking the bear, is all they were kind of doing there. So, uh, I think when teams do that, it's incredibly fucking stupid. But, there's nothing to say that they can't do that. Go right ahead. Sure. You know? So, I, I just think it's stupid. The the Fernando Tatis thing, for, for those of you who didn't see it... Um, which is a baseball, quick baseball conversation here. But uh, last night, Fernando Tatis uh, swung with the bases loaded in a 3 nothing count in, like, the seventh inning of a game they were leading, like, 8 nothing or something like that. Like, just an absolute blowout. 
another home run would just, you know, nail in the con. But, like, the thing with baseball is, baseball isn't on a time limit. You can't just run out the clock in baseball. And so, what the fuck is the guy supposed to do? Like, the pitch comes down the middle, swing at it! Like, like what is he supposed to do? The only way to get this game over with is to play the game. The game ends when the game ends. It doesn't end at the end of two and a half hours or something like that. The only way we're going to get out of here is when the game's over. So continue playing the game. The problem is, in here's something that people don't understand, is like, well, he could have just kept the, kept his bat on his shoulder. And it's like, sure, yes, he could have. Fernando Tatis uh, has not gotten his $300 million payday yet, and his numbers depend on getting that fucking payday. And so when he has an opportunity to get a base hit... Uh, his on-base percentage up, a home run, and four RBI to add to his dollar sign at the end of uh, his fucking contract, he should take that opportunity. Like, it is one thing if we're talking about 39-year-old Derek Jeter here at the end of the line, you know? Like, okay, sure, maybe he keeps the bat at his side, maybe he doesn't swing. He doesn't have to not swing, he's still allowed to swing. But, like, I think the idea that we're going to be mad at a fucking 22-year-old kid who's never gotten paid... That's just absurd, again. So, baseball's stupid, because they get mad about every stupid little thing in that sport, and it's just hilarious. Um, we were talking about Arizona. <laughs> right. Do do I think... I mean, I watched the game. There was really not much the Avalanche could have done at that point. Like, Arizona was just so incredibly fucking bad in that game that... Like, the puck was just kind of going in. Like, it was, wasn't even like the Avalanche were trying at points. And then Arizona would give a little bit of pushback. And it's like, well, if you're trying, we kind of have to try to to at least stop you. And then when we do that, sometimes we end up on a 2-1-1 because your team's terrible. So, uh, this, this is, I, I think, the most overmatched team I've ever seen in a playoff series. I can't remember watching a series where it was just like... This is not even close. It, it's very bad and good for the Avalanche because I think it's cool. I think the Avalanche are neat. I, I was kind of cheering for the Coyotes to do like a little bit, make a little bit of noise in this, and uh, not in this series necessarily, like in the playoffs. But uh, they're overmatched, and that that's fine. There's no real shame in that. The Avalanche are really good. Shots were thirty to fifteen in that game for those uh, wondering. Mm. Um, game five in that one uh, also goes this afternoon a little later uh, 5.30 uh, you can catch uh, that tonight uh, game uh, not game series uh, <laughs> number three Dallas Stars against the number six Calgary mm. Flames um, this has been a bit of a back and forth one uh, Flames win sure. Stars win Flames win Stars win Stars win game five so they are now up Three games to two after a two to one victory uh, yesterday afternoon. Um, aside from a empty netter, in, what did that just happen today? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know about that. <laughs> aside from an like, empty netter in game games? three, uh, the entire series has been a one goal uh, dogfight, absolute dogfight. This has been a fun one to watch. Um, um, I, I'm, I'm. I think I'm cheering at this point a little bit more for the Flames than I was the Stars, um, but uh, in any in any event, this is this has been my favorite of the first rounds. I, I'll say. Really? Yeah, I think so. It's, okay. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. We got some high scoring. Well, I'm, not, I'm not laughing because I disagree. I'm laughing because I don't know that I've watched more than like a minute of this series. 
We went out to watch it the other night, and I don't remember looking yeah. at the TV the whole time. Because I just, like, I just don't find either of these teams particularly that fun to watch. I, the games I find, fun. I find them interesting in and of themselves. Right. But against each other, I don't think it's that interesting. And I know that it has been, there's, but... Like, going back to that Avs Coyote series quick, like, there, there's no interest for me in watching, like, I'm not going to turn on a 4-1... Abs lead. That was the, the funniest part about yesterday was I had such a busy day that that was the only time I had to watch a hockey game was from 6 to 8.30 p.m. And it was, again, I love watching the Avalanche play one of the worst playoff hockey games I've ever seen in my life. Like, it was, that was a, the biggest shit-kicking I can ever remember watching. Definitely a factor. Like That was fucked. Watch what you can when you can. <laughs> but fucked. But for me, like, like I said, every one of these games has come down to the last 30 seconds. Like, uh toss it on like you're watching something else hey you know what Calgary Dallas is tied with a minute to go or you know uh, there's a one goal game with two minutes to go throw it on exciting finishes the, it goes right down to the wire we had one overtime game that was a lot of fun that game went back and forth um, it's just it's it, it just feels like they had the pedal on on the gas the entire series um, now the Dallas Stars and the Calgary Flames both teams battling with a bit of injury problems uh, obviously Ben Bishop has not played um, for I believe the entire series, he's been out since the play-in round. Um, they are also without uh, Stephen Johns, um, and the Calgary Flames are without their big boy Matt Kachuk up front. Um, it's been a bloodbath. These teams don't like each other. Um, the games have been close. The games have been intense. A lot of hits, a lot of fights. Like, like I said, like a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I. I would check out uh, Game Six uh, for those of uh, for those of you listening that are looking for something to do Thursday night. Come get Dallas. I um, give it a go. I do enjoy watching uh, Dylan Dubé, Sam Bennett, and Milan Lucic on a line. I I just genuinely love all three of those players. I know that a lot of people don't like Milan Lucic. I have I've always had a soft spot for him. Um. So I think that that line's really cool because it it makes like they make sense as a line when you think about it, but that's just such a bizarre construction for a line too. In a way, like it's just not three players I would have ever thought to put together for a lot of reasons. You know, like Dylan Dubé being incredibly fucking fast and Milan Lucic being incredibly fucking slow. Um, so you know that's one of many reasons why. Wow, that was gross. Holy fuck. Uh, sorry, pa- uh, Patrick Kane on Robin Leonard just now. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I haven't, I haven't watched that much of it, but what I have seen of of the series, that's been my line to watch anyway. Six points for Lucic through nine games so far of the pretty uh, cool. The fucking the thing that they're doing right now. Pretty the, cool. The fucking the playoffs. That's what they call it. Uh, yeah, uh, it's been fun. Uh, check it out. This, for as much fun as the Dallas Calgary series has been, this one has been maybe not as fun, but definitely more fucking interesting. Uh, the number four seed Blues up against the number five seed Canucks in a series that is currently tied. Uh, game five goes uh, this evening. It's late game, ten thirty. Um, Vancouver comes out. They win the first two technically on the road. The Blues turn around. They come back. They win the next two, technically, on the road. Um, have you caught much of this series? Because uh, I've, I've, I've found myself lying in bed watching uh, 
uh, some some late games here. Uh, like these these guys typically the late one. I think I said to you before we recorded that that was the series that I probably uh, watched the least of. But the more I'm starting to think about it, yeah, I guess I I guess I have watched a decent amount of it. Um, but I haven't watched like I haven't seen the last two games quite as much. So everything I've seen of this series is the Blues looking horrible and the Canucks looking unbelievable, which is the exact opposite of how I thought the series was going to go. And then since I've turned it off, the Blues have been the better team from what I understand. Uh, and the Canucks have not been bad, but but the Blues are kind of being the Blues again. Right. So I think that's kind of cool. I think it's really neat um, that, that Jake Allen's... Uh, like back, kind of, not back. Uh, here, He's here, playing. here. Finally, is that what we would maybe say about Jake Allen? Um, starting. I think it's cool that he's playing, um, because I don't particularly like Jordan Bennington for a lot of reasons that I'd prefer not to get into. Um, so I think that's cool. I have no ill will against either of these. I don't really have. I don't really care who wins this series. To be honest with you, this is the one series I don't. I couldn't give a shit who wins. Um, I had Blues in. I don't even know how many games. I had the Blues, for sure. I don't think I took the Canucks. I think I went seven on this one, but I I, nor, I, I can't remember. I want to say I, w- I went Blues in five, but I didn't really think very hard about it. I was just kind of like, I don't know. I, that was like This was one series I definitely just kind of made a pick. Didn't really think about Nailed it too it in, much. Eh? I, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I don't know. I, I fucking, How do you know who's going to win any of these series, let alone this one? Like, I don't know what the hell hey, to make of this our, series. It's our podcast. We'll mail it in if we want to. Yeah, this series is just a bizarre matchup. Yeah. Like, it's, I don't know. Back-to-back overtime games uh, in games two and game three. Both team, you know, winning one of those. Who won for Vancouver? Who won it? Uh, it was Horvath. JT Miller? Horvath? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um... The Blues now. Oh, right. I fucking love yeah, me some Bo Horvat too. Oh, man. Horvat. That, that kid's fucking great. Uh, Blues now without Steen and Tarasenko, uh, at least uh, for uh, game five. That's not good. Tarasenko has left the bubble. Um, oh. His didn't shoulder. Know about that. His surgically repaired shoulder is the subject of oh, concern. God. Uh, Coach Barube not expecting him back in the bubble. Alex Steen, they're hoping, can kind of bounce back. Definitely won't play, like I said, uh, tomorrow or tonight in Game 5. Uh, they're hoping they can have him back in time for Game 6 on Friday. Uh, big blow for the Blues. If, if those guys can't, uh, you know, like I said, like, it sounds like Terrence goes out. If Steen at least can't come back, it gets uh, it gets tough. Uh, Vancouver also, you know, like we, we talked about, like they lost uh, Michael Furland there to begin with. Uh, they're now without Tyler Myers. Uh, Vancouver, not not a deep defensive team. Like for as good as Quinn Hughes has been, they can't really afford to be losing a lot of defensemen. So Tyler Myers coming off the the back end for them, that, that's a tough loss. We'll have to see if if you know if, if they can kind of pull it together and, and and shut down the Blues, who have by all accounts uh, slowly begun taking back the series uh, in their favor. Um, I mean, the Blues are another team, like we talked about. I've talked about it. We talk about it every week, is my theory, with just these older, more experienced, bigger sort of teams, kind of like the Blues, where it's just like, yeah, they might start slow. Right. I, I, I Honestly, I'm not surprised. It's one of those things, though, that now that they're kind of waking up, that's a little scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's not... That's that's a little scary. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, we'll have to kind of see how that goes. I mean, the ironic thing too with the Blues was like when you think back to their cup run during the playoffs last year, just in the playoffs, not in the regular season, they never really dominated any of those series that they won either though. 
Like, that's the thing. Like, the Blues have just never been that overpowering sort of team. They're just really solid, like, top to bottom kind of thing. So, it, it might be one of those things where, again, they like, they might win the Cup this year and none of us sees it coming until it's, like, elimination game of the Cup final. And it's like, oh, I guess the fucking Blues might do it. Like, it, they're, just, they're just not a team that, like Vegas, that'll just control the fucking game, like, almost, almost the whole time, right? The Blues just find a way to win kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like the 2016 North End Flames midget A team. A bit of housekeeping from Pittsburgh. Uh, both Evgeny Malkin mm-hmm. and Zachary Aston Reese went under the knife. Uh, Evgeny Malkin expected to miss uh, three to four weeks, which is pretty good because the Penguins won't be playing uh, at any point in the next three to four weeks. Uh, not so good for Zachary Aston Reese. He will be out for uh, what they're saying is going to be at least six months. Uh, which will take him, uh, from what we can tell, a couple months into the beginning of next season. Um, if next season is uh, condensed in any form, uh, this could be a, a big loss for the Penguins uh, to start you know, next season. Um, I know the NHL is pretty adamant at, at, at playing 82 games. I, I think it's going to be pretty pretty tough, and next to impossible as far as I'm concerned, for them to actually get through the, the, that whole season plus a full playoff. So... Um, I, I could see a situation in, in which the Penguins are without what you might call their <laughs> third best forward in uh, in Aston Reese. Um, but... I, mean, I mean, I don't know if I'd go third, but he's like it's in all close. reality, he's probably he's, well. Who am I forget? Who well, am I, like, a healthy, Gen- like a healthy Gensel. Brian Rust would, would Gensel. Ooh, is Rust better than Aston Reed? Yeah, probably. So, so Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Gensel, Rust. Am I missing anyone? Is it Zach Aston Reese? The Hornquist is cooked. Jer- Jared McCann has promise. I don't. I don't like him. He had a good season. I don't he, like him. He, he, could, he, he, could he had an okay season, but he also finds himself in the press box sometimes. So it's like true on a on a banged up team. That's not good. I might find himself playing more. I could oh, I guess so. Oh, they have Jason yeah. Zucker. They have oh, Zucker. They, now they do. So, is Zach Aston Reese is sixth. Oh, yeah. Zucker's signed for a million years oh, or something. Well, that's good for them. Yeah. Hopefully, on a team friendly yeah, deal. Yeah. Well, of, of course. Fucking Jimmy Rutherford traded for him, man. Of course, he's got fucking term. They don't have a free agent. Uh, like, every single player on that team signed through 2035, I think. So, should be good. That's wild. Should be good. That's not a real year. So yeah, that, that's our season recap in which uh, no teams got eliminated. So uh, this will be accurate for all of about I don't know, thirty-two hours. I'll say 30, 30, 36 hours at most, uh, and then everything we just talked about will be out of out of date. So uh, get it while it's hot. Get your laces tied while they're hot. I I don't want to. I don't think tying hot laces. You know how sometimes you have to like light the end of your lace on fire to get it through the little fucking hole? That's the only time the lace should be hot, probably. Yeah, don't... Um, if you bake skates at your local sports <laughs> store, um, do not put wax laces into the skate before you give it to the associate. Your laces will melt onto your skate. Rendering the skate and the laces useless. Baked skates and bag skates, am I right? I've 
handled both quite a few times in my life. There you go. Uh, we were uh, we were sad and depressed to be in the episode. We're gonna we're gonna end on on happy note. We're gonna mm. have some fun. We're gonna play a game, mm. and we're gonna do our uh, overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. And uh, I've got a brand new game for Brutes this week. Oh, I thought you were saying that was the game. I'm like, that's a fucking lame game. Mm. All right, got a brand new game for my guy here. It's called my uh, guy. It's called Excursion Around the Bay. Oh right, I remember you telling me vaguely about this having something to do with Thunder Bay. Named named for the the great big sea song Excursion Around the Bay. At no point did I look up Thunder Bay players. No, that's either. Fine. I had plenty of time to prepare for this and that's fine. I've I've got fifty of the greatest players from Thunder Bay of all time. Um all of these guys are notable NHLers. These aren't guys that played uh a game or, you know, capped out at the height of the Thunder Bay Thundercats in the mid '90s. Uh, all these guys were NHLers. Uh, some better than others. Some some are maybe what you'd say not successful, but but I know that you yourself are familiar with them. So uh, I've got all 50 names in a generator. We're gonna hit randomize. And uh, how, how many guys you want to do? You want to you want to do th- three players? Maybe we'll try to see what, what you can do with yeah. three players. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, we'll just see how fast this goes. Fifty seems like a lot. For so, sure. so what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to uh, pick a name, uh, a player born in Thunder Bay, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm going to give Brute his date of birth and his draft information, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to go through every transaction this player had in his NHL okay. career according to Hockey Reference, and then the date of retirement if it's there, or the date of death if this player has has passed. Uh, the, the living world wouldn't wouldn't it be better maybe to just stick to to date of retirement rather than getting morbid? Do you want as much information as you can get? Well, or, I guess oh, I'll yeah. take the birth or the death certificate if you're going to give it to me. <laughs> sure. Uh, if you have it's no not questions, gonna, it's not going to hurt my chances. Yeah. Um, I I don't think I have questions now. Okay. Uh, best of luck to you, sir, and I hope this is a hit. Sure. All right. Here we go. Hit the, the randomizer button. Yeah, Player thirty-seven. All know. right. I've got our first. Do I get to just pick a number? No. I've I've I've, oh, okay. I've selected. Oh, there actually is a randomizer. Yep. Yeah, I've I've selected the first player. So this player. It'd be more fun if I just picked a player number. Well, I've I, I unfortunately kind of have them in order of like oh. yeah. Okay. Yeah. A certain games played total. Ah. Um, so your your player player one, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I feel like I could probably narrow that down yeah. to a couple of guys. Yeah. So uh, this player was born on June fourteenth, nineteen seventy six. Oh yeah. Okay. 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 This player was drafted. Wait, that's not good. Okay. Was drafted in the second round, thirty sixth overall in nineteen ninety four. By the Florida Panthers. Oh, God. His transactions are as such. On March 14th, 2000, he was traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning for Mike Sillinger okay. and Dwayne Hay. Okay. In July of 2001. Wait, it was him for those two players? Okay. The player, to Tampa. The player I'm thinking by of is Florida. too good to ever be traded for Mike Sillinger. For Dwayne Hay and Mike Sillinger. In July of 2001, this player was traded by Florida 
to sorry back to Florida by Tampa Bay with Tampa Bay's sixth round pick for Vaclav Prospel. Okay. Um, six months later, in December of two thousand and one. Uh, he missed the majority of the 01-02 season due to a head injury. Mm-hmm. Two years later, in February, he was claimed on waivers by St. Louis mm. from Florida. Mm. Can I solve the puzzle? You can solve the puzzle. Uh, let's hear one more. Okay. In February of 2005, he signed as a free agent uh, with Missouri of the United Hockey League. Ooh. Mike Danton. On July 2nd, of 2008, he signed as a free agent with Vancouver. Oh, I'd like to solve the puzzle, James. Uh, can you solve the puzzle? Are we talking about uh, Thunder Bay legend Ryan Johnson? That's correct. Yeah, uh, you got Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Um, he. I feel, I feel like Taylor Pyatt's birthday is around June 14th, so I got a little oh, yeah. fired up there. But uh, Ryan Johnson would also sign a PTO in December of 2010. With the Rockford uh, Ice Hogs of the AHL, of and uh, a week later was signed by Chicago, the parent uh, team of Rockford, um, and uh, his retirement date is not given. So apparently, he's still yeah. an active player at 44 wow. years old. Good for him. So I, I saw him recently. Uh, he's looking good. So good. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, there you go. You got the first one. Thank you. Uh, are you ready for your second? Sure. All right. I'm going to randomly hit the. Uh, button. Oh, this is going to be a tough one for you. This is this is going to be a tough one. Okay. Um, Jason Jaspers. All right. Uh, this this player was born in January of 1945. Yeah, I don't get a date. January ten, January 29th of 1949, 45, 1945. Okay. Uh, his transactions are as such. In January of 1972, he signed as a free agent with St. Louis. In September of 74, he was traded to Philadelphia by St. Louis for Philadelphia's second-round choice and the rights to Randy Andrichuk. (laughs) Okay. In August of 1979... (laughs) He was traded to Washington oh, by Philadelphia. No, that's not who I was hoping for. For Washington's third round choice. Um, I don't have a date of retirement here either. Do they not show retirement dates on a fucking hockey reference? Uh, I mean, most most players don't ever formally retire, right? So well, let's just look it up quick. I'm sure. It's um, is that all? Is that all I get? That's all you got. He's, is he so? He's still alive. Uh, oh, no, I'm very sorry. Uh, this player died on June 22nd, 2010, at the oh, age of 65. Oh, no. So here's the problem. Uh, was very convinced till you told me date of death that it was Mike Busnick, mm. um, who is... I don't know that he's still living, but he lived past 2010. I know that for sure. Um, he retired in 1981. Yeah, that doesn't do me much good. So, like... I mean, I guess you can't really tell me anything else based on other than what you told me. Well, it's the spirit of the game, anyway. Like, yeah, because the problem is you're telling me all these transactions. I don't know if he ever played in the league, for sure. Um, he had over 300 NHL games. Like I said, these are all guys okay. that accumulated a, a career. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not necessarily sure that I know who this is. 
my knowledge of Thunder Bay players prior to like 1985 is like fucking Alex Dalvecchio and Ralph Stewart. And I know that uh, it's neither of those guys and Mike Busnick, I guess. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I hate to when we play a game and, and no one guesses, a, like, a, like you know what I mean? To say, like, I don't know. I mean, that's just, you know, Jeez. that's just lazy, but I don't really know that I have a player. I'm trying to think, like, who, like, if it could have been a, a goaltender, maybe? Hmm. But I don't, I don't know many Thunder Bay goaltenders again, like, most of the ones I do know fucking played in the league in the last 25 years so hmm I really should just pick a name I do have one specific question okay does now I realize this might sound insane because his because he's from Thunder Bay yes is his birthplace listed as Port Arthur or Fort William Fort William Did that help? I'd like to solve that. No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea who this is. I'm, I'm, fuck, I should really just pick a name. Uh, I'm gonna guess, uh, fucking Nelson Pyatt. An honorable guess. Yeah. He did not play for those teams. Really the only fucking guy I could come up with where I didn't know, for sure. We were looking for 1975 Cup champion Wayne Stevenson. I actually have heard of him, but I, I, yeah, there's no way I would have remembered him. The, the good news here for Ebrutes is that, um, like I said, there's 50 guys here. Um, but I'm taking the names out as we go. So when we play the game again, you won't have to deal with Wayne Stevenson, even though you would now know his his order of operations. That's right. I'm just saying if you get a tough couple guys in, in one episode, you might get a couple easy guys the next time around. So don't get discouraged by the game. You sure. Know? Don't let the game I'm, get you down. I'm actually enjoying it. Good. So we're good. I'll do uh, one more for you. Here. Yep. All right. Yep. Your, your third kick at the can. The tiebreaker, if you will. Okay. The, the rubber match. Oh, here we go. This is this is probably a fucking cakewalk. <laughs> All right. Fucking randomizer. Cool. All right. Is it Taylor Pyatt? Uh, this Thunder Bay player was born on May 25th, 1994. <laughs> okay. Uh, this player was drafted in the uh, third round of the 2012 <laughs> NC draft, 83rd overall, uh, by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, God. That is hysterical. <laughs> he has no transactions to speak of. Uh, and I'm going to guess no retirement date. I uh, know. And certainly no date of death. I hope not. Uh, Although, the, uh, the, remarkab- the, the remarkable part was not only did I pretty much know who it was before you uh, said draft position... I knew who it was before you got to the year of the birthday. I, I knew by the date. Okay. Uh, I, I, well, I, I mean, I guess I shouldn't get cocky. I could be wrong here, but I'd like to solve the puzzle. Please do. I'm going to guess that it is a former uh, school chum of mine, Matt Murray. That's two-time cup champion. That's right. Uh, Matt Murray, as That's it were. Right. So a couple, couple cup-winning goaltenders for you. Cool. Uh, mixed in with uh, Ryan Johnson. Future Toronto Maple Leaf. There it is. Well, that, uh, there you go. That was Excursion Around the Bay. I liked it. Um, I think we, that's a fun one for our podcast. Because we are, we are. We are. We are. The cool, oh, yeah, no. Sorry, we're from Thunder Bay, for mm-hmm. those of you that might be confused mm-hmm. listening at home. Yeah, this is not just an Airedale podcast. Uh, you know, we don't. We do focus on things outside of Wawa. 
There you go. So yeah, we'll do this again for sure. I've got lots and lots I guess of things to get through. I guess in theory too, like how many Thunder Bay players are there? There's a hundred and twelve-ish. And so you only chose fifty of the most prominent. So yeah, because because in, in theory, I was going to say like really, you could even just do regional too. Like I could. if you wanted to add some Fort Francis, Drydens, some Wawas. Chris Simon, I got a pretty good handle on. Probably other, the only other, Wawa I would imagine. Other than that. Yeah, like even like, you know, fucking does Manitowoc count? Probably not, eh? It's a little too far. Whatever's in the district, maybe. Yeah. Okay, you could stick to the district of yeah. Thunder Bay, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe I'll expand the list then in that case. Okay. Um yeah, we've we've definitely I, I definitely uh, definitely would help if you mention if they're from uh you know, non Thunder Bay. Sure. But there's there's definitely a few guys on here that um you will not know. They just I, happened to play like didn't know Wayne Stevens four hundred games in the forties and fifties. That's fine. Uh, you I gotta, got a pretty good handle on Leo Boyvin. I'll say that. But so. f- but for every for every Wayne Stevenson you're gonna get, you'll you'll get a Matt Murray once in a while. So okay. it'll it'll be a fun one, I think. Yeah, I only know a handful of Thunder Bay players. So there you go. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, f- you know, t- to be fair, the city itself has only been around for fifty years. To so be fair. to be fair, uh, that brings us to the overrated, underrated, favorite. Least favorite. That's right. For this week's uh, episode, that's right. Um, this was my turn to pick. It was, um, and I I am not going to defend here uh, my pick. Uh, I picked it because I'm I'm biased, and um, I like the hip. Yeah, big hip guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're a, a big hip guy as well. Well, the interesting thing was when you when you suggested uh, to do this as um, our overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite for this week. I literally was thinking about potential topics for this um for this exercise mm-hmm. and earlier that day i had sorted out mentally what my answers would be for the hip albums and then you later that day were like hey let's do hip albums i'm like that's fucked so i don't really know why particularly i was thinking about it that day but so were you and now we're gonna do it so. lovely um i will concede the floor to you sir with your overrated oh yeah tragically hip album yeah well of course it's fully completely um no (laughs) yeah i mean like like overrated is kind of a tough one for the tragically hip um like the problem is is just because it it sort of depends to like if you talk to a lot of people like some people might say that all of their albums are overrated and that they're perhaps you know what i mean like not as not as good as we as we tend to think they are here in Canada and to that I would say it's um you're incorrect but I I think that their most overrated album um and I never really would have thought about it till I started thinking about it but um I'm I'm probably gonna have to go Man Machine Poem which is their most recent album 2016 um look like I, I just I don't dislike Actually, I shouldn't say that. I, I dislike one of their albums, but it's definitely, like, properly rated, though. Um, Man Machine Poem, I still enjoy. And I actually do think it is one of their... Like, it is a pretty solid album. I would say it's better than the two they put out prior to it. Uh, it's their first really good album since World Container. But it was looked at as, like like, this return to form their best album since Phantom Power. And it wasn't. It, it's not their best album since Phantom Power. It's not close to Phantom Power. It's it's really good for what it is, 
but what it is 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 modern day tragically hip and and i'm fine with what modern day tragically hip was um i would rather like when we went to see them live like they had um they played in segments of four and they would play four songs from an album and every show they played had a four song segment of man machine poem and i enjoyed the four song segment too like they were good live but it's just um it's just not as good of an album as as people give it credit for i would say so uh of course um we all loved it because of what was going on at the time and and uh don't get me wrong in a, in a world possessed by the human mind I, I i can barely listen to without without kind of tearing up but um still it's it's not a perfect album front to back mm-hmm. uh it, it, it you know it, it won rock album of the year at the Junos in 2017. Um, oh, I should say my my overrated album is also Man Machine Poem, and I can't wait mm-hmm. to find out that we just have four albums here, and we're only going to talk about four albums. That's right. That'll be hilarious. That's right. Um, yeah, it, it won rock album of the year at the Junos, which, like you kind of touched on, was the first time that the hip had pulled that off since Phantom Power. So it had this you know critical reception that was was pretty high. Obviously, the, the the cancer diagnosis that that had been released just before the album was released was at an all time high, and then they go on the tour, which is the Man Machine Poem tour. But we all know what it was. It wasn't really the Man Machine Poem tour. It was the farewell tour. You know, looking back on it, and you're right, a fine album, some really good songs, some not so great songs, but. This this isn't a, an all timer like it like it's no. been made out to be. It's it's fine. It's emotional because of what happened, but it's nothing more than that. Yeah, me. and I mean like the thing is, is Gord just being such a poet. Like lyrically, the album is phenomenal again, as is every other album that they've done pretty much. But uh, musically, it just wasn't as interesting as I perhaps hoped it would be, and. Um, thought it was more so at the time, and as as it's aged, I kind of go back to it, and it's like, well, it's 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 good, mm-hmm. but definitely uh, again, there are albums that I I dislike way more than that one. I still like it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you're underrated. Ooh, underrated. Um, yeah. I mean, again, this is this is kind of a this is kind of an interesting one because prior, to, like everything before Phantom Power, like was just insanely popular in Canada, right? So, um, sorry, including Phantom Power. So, to say that any of those are underrated, I think, is is sort of a tough thing to do. Like, like I can't sit here and say that Phantom Power is underrated because, like, it won Juno Rock Album of the Year in, in what was, like, a, a landslide that year. Like, that was just, it was going to win... Uh, fully, completely, like, largely considered, like, the greatest Canadian rock album of, to- of all time. It's Or it's up there, anyway. So, like, it's hard to say any of those. Um, for for underrated, though, I will probably go with... Hmm. I'll probably go with World Container, to be honest with you. I think World Container has, like, five or six really, really good songs on it that... Yeah, it um, does that most hip fans know and a lot of casual hip fans know but it was even one of those albums at the time where it was just like um like in view was such a huge hit but you know like a lot of people don't know the actual song world container or you're not the ocean lonely end of the rink was featured on every single uh 
Hockey Night in Canada intro for about five years is what it felt like. And I, I mean, it, it's just, it's a very good album front to back, but it has a lot of songs that, uh, like even Family Band, just kind of stands up still in the, in the zeitgeist of, of tragically hip fans. So I would say it's underrated. One, one of my, like, probably top three favorite hip songs is World Container. It's really good. And it's really good. What a what a difference that song is. You you bring in a piano element which you, you've never seen before for the hip. And you know none of those guys even play piano. Like they had to go out and hire somebody to to, to record this song, and they nailed it. Mm-hmm. Like to to bring in an instrument that no one plays in the band and still pull off an amazing song is is pretty incredible as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, that's a really good pick. Honestly, World Container. It's it was probably that one or or my pick um, for me. Um, I've never really thought about it. I guess like to like whoever it was that they brought in to play the piano on the album. I guess they kept around for a few other songs too. Like I never really thought about it, but like "You're Not the Ocean" has a piano in it, albeit briefly. In, in view has technically has, in, has in some view keyboard. and and yeah. uh, maybe it's not family band, but I feel like there's another song on the album that does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. An interesting thought. Uh, my underrated is uh, 2004's In Between Evolution. Mm. Um, I, I, I've got a couple books about the hip. Vaccination base. And um, I've spoken to a lot of hip fans through the years. And, and one thing that kind of always comes up is the the classic era of the band. Those mm-hmm. those first, first four albums. Sometimes people even stretch it to Phantom Power. Um, they call that the classic era of the hip, and and then they had a couple albums that were what you might call flops, you know, and then they come back with In Between Evolution, and I've always found that that album has a very classic hip sound to it, very gu- guitar heavy, in your face, you know, almost dirty blues in a way. Um, you're right, Vaccination Scar, one of my favorite songs uh, as makeshift as we are is on that album mm-hmm. um, they got the big hit off the top about you know the Dan Schneider incident and in, in the NHL with Heaven is a Better Place Today um, I, this, this is an album that had you know a couple songs uh, appear on the, the Your Favorites compilation album a couple years later uh, and for an album that was brand new at the time to, to do that I, I think that speaks volumes to the, the, the you know you know it's a really good album. Profoundness of, of some of the songs. So mm-hmm. uh, it definitely drops off. I, I think there's maybe two songs too many on this album. Um, and by the end of it, I'm, I'm really starting to lose the focus of, of what they were trying to do with the album. But the the first first eight, eight or so, eight to ten songs, they're really fucking good. Classic hip, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Your favorite. Ah. Uh. Well, it's actually your favorites, their greatest hits out now. Um, no, I mean, like again, this is this is kind of a weird question because, um, like my favorite album of theirs is fully completely because it is, uh, in my opinion, front to back, one of the greatest albums ever made of of any kind. Um, in or outside Canada like it's just it, it's to me it's just an absolute masterpiece of music and I really don't know what criticism I could give to it like I I um I don't listen to the wherewithal 
uh, by itself very often. I guess would be the only criticism I would give, but I listen to, like... And it's just tucked away within the album, but it's like... Pigeon Camera, I think, is one of their most underrated songs ever. Like, that is a song that if on any other album would have been a single and would have been a hit. And now you don't hear it on the radio, you don't hear it anywhere, because it's tucked away on this album where it is not even in the top half of best songs on the album to most people, but... Uh, so the album's the album's great, and I, I just I don't really want to talk about it at length because I think everyone knows how good it is. So fully completely is my answer, but I would say my my second choice, uh, my my second choice probably would have been Trouble at the Hand House. I just I think it's a really cool album. Uh, fucking springtime in Vienna, man. I don't know what it is about that song. I just love that fucking song. Um, that's that's like, an album that I, like, I honestly would have considered for underrated. It's it gets lost in that it, shuffle. It's I think the fir- the first well actually I'll say the first five songs is like one of my favorite five song runs to start an album ever. Like I I just love it. Nothing against Seven Hundred Foot Ceiling, but I just like I think that the way those songs sort of go together, there's something sort of sinister. In, in four of those first five songs and Ahead by a Century is just kind of sandwiched in as this sort of lighter kind of kind of feeling you know what I mean it's just like this in, like it's almost just a dark sounding album the first little bit but Ahead by a Century like it kind of just takes you on this journey and I think it's really cool um, yeah that would be that probably would have been my second choice but I mean like literally anything prior to 1998 I think is just almost a flawless album so Right. They could do no wrong, if you will. Oh, yeah. Day for night. Um, yes, well, completely. What are we talking about here? It's, mm-hmm. it's, an, it's a non-issue. Uh, I, I will follow suit and, and give you the uh, the next closest thing for myself. And it is the next album that they released. Uh, I think... Nice. Um, I think fully completely for them Michael was... An out, like, I've, I've... Like I said, I've, I've, I've really kind of gone overboard in... in my history reading of the hip and the guys in the band, they don't like that album. Um, they talk all the time about how that was the first time they recorded in that fashion and, and they didn't like the sound that they got out of it. And it was kind of an album that for lack of a better word, they kind of rushed and here it ends up being what is going to go down as their most iconic album, uh, that they've ever released. And like you said, possibly the most iconic album in in Canadian music so um, it was no surprise when I learned that to go and listen to Day for Night an album that you know stretches 15, uh, 14 songs um, has a very unique sound compared to those first three albums it's a lot darker it's a lot moodier it's a lot a lot of emotion. Um, it's gritty. It's it's really gritty. Very and, gritty. And I think this is what the hip sounded like at what I'll say is the height of their power. They still had that blues influence from the first two albums. Mm-hmm. They had the hit writing prowess that they learned from fully completely. They could have they could have came back out in '94 and said, you know what, fuck it, we're gonna make another fully completely. And we're going to just give you more of what you guys liked the first time around. And we're going to sell another, you know, half a million copies. But 
I think they wrote an album for themselves after writing an album that so clearly wasn't for mm-hmm. themselves. And this is what you got. And, and I, I, I've looked at it in a different light uh, ever since uh, learning that. And it is a fantastic listen. There, at no point is there a song that I find doesn't fit with the album. Mm-hmm. Um, so, big fan of that one. Crazy Jungle. <laughs> big, big fan of the jungle. Uh, yeah. I'll take you to your kitchens now, if, if I could. Yeah. Um, and then our least favorite. Yeah. Which I'm pretty it's always, sure is... Always such a sad way to... Same. Sad way to end this activity oh. off, you know what I mean? Like, it's just such yeah. a negative... It's such a negative light. Like, if we're talking about stuff that, like, I don't particularly... Like, if we were doing, like, Mel Gibson movies or something, like, I would... You know what I mean? I'd love to answer this question because I fucking hate Mel Gibson. So, like... But, like, we're doing the hip. I like the hip. I don't want to badmouth the hip. We keep picking things that we like for these topics. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to think of a really, like, average TV show or something. Our overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite, Nazis. Okay. Wow, that really didn't need to be said. Um, yeah, no, my, my least favorite album is, um, is Music at Work. I, I only like two of the 14 songs on the album, and that's saying something, because, like, I, I, I think there's probably less than 20 hip songs I don't like, and most of them are on this album. So, like, it's not even close to me, it's a fucking cakewalk. This album, uh, I, I think is, uh, not good. Uh, I I don't I don't mind me, my music at work though, and that's the problem. Is like one of the two songs I do like on the album. I've listened to way too many fucking times, so I have no desire to really listen to my music at work ever again. Lake Fever is fucking pretty cool, pretty pretty good song, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't really like any other song on the album to be honest with you. So, are are, are we talking? Uh, uh, my my least favorite is music as work as well. Are are we talking about the 2001 Juno Award for Best Rock Album, Music at Work? An album that that has gone two times platinum in Canada? It's kind of fucked up when you put it that way. Um, I want to see what it was nominated against. You keep talking. Uh, see who got robbed. I, I, I don't like it. Um, it's not my favorite. The same two songs that you like are the same two songs that I like. I think this is... Ooh. 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 Don't like that. Ooh. I mean, this is the only time I'm really gonna, uh, you know, not side with the hip. Do you want to know the albums that this was nominated against? Sure. Okay. Okay. So, um, this was the same year that Finger Eleven released The Grayest of Blue Skies. Uh, which uh, is their second studio album known uh, to have the hits uh, First Time and Walking in My Shoes, Bones and Joints is on that album. It's it's a solid album. Um, we do have uh, Wide Mouth Mason's Stew, which I'm trying to remember which album that was. It's That's the only not album, album I'm not... I'm blanking on, like, what's on the album, though. Uh, I don't want to buy it off Amazon. I just want the track listing. It's got Who's There, Smile, Change, What You Want, Fanana. Oh, Smile and Change are on that album. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good album. Good album. Um, uh, why, uh, Wide Awake Board by Treble Charger, which features Brand New Low, American Psycho, Favorite Worst Enemy, 
could be Trouble Charger's best album, which, you know, I guess isn't saying that much to some people, but Trouble Charger was slapping. But here's my problem, is uh, it also beat uh, 5440's Casual Viewing, which I just, I just can't, I can't in good conscience say <laughs> that Music at Work is a better album than Casual Viewing. You know? Dun, dun, dun. Even if just for casual viewing the song alone, but the album's actually not bad either. So. Wow. Um, one thing I will say in defense of Music at Work is um, when Gord Downey passed away, I went back and I, I made a conscious effort of listening to every album in order and, and I went through the whole discography. Um whenever I was traveling in my car. <laughs> Holy and... shit. This is how long ago this was. The winner for best rap recording at the Junos, Swollen Members. That's how long ago this was, by the way. Continue. <laughs> if I never have to hear Swollen Members again, swollen I'll, members. I'll be happier for it. Holy shit. The music at work very much, in, in retrospect, to me, is not a hip album. It doesn't sound like a hip album. It's a bad hip album. It's our least favorite hip album, as we've told you. This is really to me the first Gord Downey solo album um, which is kind of evident in the fact that he releases you know his first two solo albums uh, in the years that, that immediately follow music that were coming out like you can hear a lot of his solo effort in these songs and aside from the fact that you can you know you can hear uh, Rob's guitar and say like hey that's Rob Baker playing the fucking guitar and that's right. and, and you can hear certain elements of the hip and their musicianship in the recording the the music itself the writing is very much Gord Downey um, which is fine like that's that's not a shot I'm, I'm not a huge fan of his solo stuff there's some good stuff there's some bad stuff just like this album and, the, and, the and that's Wind. that's Bang. what I that's what I find a lot of this music is as you work through this, the, the track listing mm-hmm well, I mean, it was called My Music at Work, not Our uh, Music yes. at Work. Am I right, yeah, folks? Get, get fucked hip. Um, uh, a quick, quick trivia question for you. I just, sure. I just want you to guess as well. I do love a good trivia uh, question. I feel like you can eliminate one of the options here just because of how we precursed the album. But I want you to guess what won the best album of the year at the Junos. Just album. Okay. So the nom- nominees were Music at Work by Enchanted Me. Uh, Beautiful Midnight, Matthew Goodband. Maroon by uh, the Bare Naked Ladies. No One Does It Better by Soul Decision. And uh, Happiness Is Not a Fish That You Can Catch, Our Lady Peace, for Best Album of the Year. Seems weird because they're all rock albums, so I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Seems bizarre. I, I'll probably eat my words when I say this. I feel like I would know if it was happiness is not a fish you can catch. Okay. So I'm going to go Maroon, because they had a lot of good songs on Maroon. It is Maroon. Yeah. It is Maroon. Um, yeah. I would... I would. Ooh. How would I rank those albums, though? That would be the interesting one. I on, Honestly, I'd probably go Beautiful Midnight first. I think Beautiful Midnight's the best album on there. Although I am a big happiness is not a fish that you can catch. Um, would I put... Soul decision before the tragically hip. I I wouldn't. And rightfully so. 
I know I took uh, a lot of time to think about that. Now, if we are comparing Soul Decision's second and final album, uh, Shady Satin Drug, versus Music at Work, I would take Shady Satin Drug, I think. But... That's great. Uh, next week's uh, overrated, underrated favorite release from Soul, Soul Decision, Decision songs. songs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cadillac yeah. Dress, uh, favorite and overrated somehow, perhaps? Because uh, I've only ever heard three of them. Yeah. Um, I think that's laced up for this week. I Probably think that's it. should be. I think that's. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's about time. Yeah. Um, will I have anything on the north side? That's a good question. Nobody um, asked. I, I work fourteen hours tomorrow and then thirteen hours Thursday or something like that. No, less than that. Not like ten hours, maybe. I don't think I'm going to be writing anything for the next few days. So, will I have anything? Probably not. Yeah, I, I definitely won't. So. No. That's probably not good. You should start your own website, man. You can spread your crackpot theories online. Here are my favorite Nazis. Yeah, that's all right. Wow. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) See ya. Jesus Christ. You can fuck off and all! (laughs) You don't know what I've been through. I've been downgraded!